All right, I promised myself that I wasn't going to, to mention this, but I feel like it's the elephant in the room. I just, I'm the kind that just like goes after the elephant in the room. Uh, so yesterday, I don't know about you, but about 3.30 in the afternoon, uh, I felt like that I went to a funeral that was the longest funeral that I've ever been to. It was like three and a half hours long, and it was brutal. Uh, I just waited and waited and hoped for it to turn around, and it didn't. It was just the worst. Yesterday was the pits, all right? 30 to nothing? Come on, we didn't even score. And so the first time in my life that I told somebody this morning, I actually, I prayed for a player. Literally, I prayed for someone at the end of the game. Uh, I, I prayed for, for Mr. Hoyer, uh, and that, uh, that he would be okay, and that his mom did not come to the game yesterday. Uh, but... Uh, we sit here, and there's this, uh, this kind of this if-only moment. If only, if only we would have had Andrew Luck as our quarterback, or a great quarterback, or, you know, or this or that, if we'd have done this, or if, if, if only. But today, we sit maybe in a different place, if we look at it differently, with the power of this little two-little letter word, if, as we've been talking about, what if? What if next year things are a little different? What if we do get the quarterback we need? What if we get uh, two, three, ten more players that we really need? Then maybe the Super Bowl is in our path. But uh, all right, so let's do this. Yesterday's over. Just kind of shake that off, okay? All right, turn to your neighbor and say, it's going to be okay. All right, it's going to be okay. There's scripture to help us, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, his rod and uh, staff, they comfort me. So there it is. Okay, that being said, let's get rolling here. We are in this series, it's called If, very simple. Uh, and I got this little book called If from Keith Newman a couple of weeks ago, and I haven't been able to put it down. And it really, it's, it's all about exploring this, this if possibilities, because if really does unlock a lot of possibilities. Of You think about some of the greatest inventions, some of the adventures and relationships have been birthed out of this one little word, what if, if. And we talked about how Romans is just 8 is just full of some amazing theology, some amazing truths for us. And we could, we could be talking about it for the next two years, and we couldn't cover it. But kind of the, 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 the main thing we want to look at, the, the main verse that just jumps out, it's, it's such a powerful verse, it's this. If God is for us, then who can be against us? If God is for us, then who can be against us? And the place where we need to, to, to go, if we want to get to the what if, we've got to get past the if only. And this is just a quick review from, from last week. If only holds us back. It keeps us in the past, into past sins and regrets. And, and God doesn't want us to live there. He wants us to get past the if onlys in our life. And how does that kind of unlock it for us if God is for us? Well, I know a lot of people, they really don't believe that. Maybe they've looked around and seen bad examples of what Christ looks like in the world. And so they don't really have a great impression of God. And maybe they think of God as a, a sheriff or as someone out to get them or out to zap them. But God is for us. He is for you. And, and if we, we could get that, well, maybe you're asking, well, how is he for us? How do you know that? Well, he told us. He told us he's for us. He told over and over in his word. He tells us, and maybe one of the most popular verses in all of Scripture, John 3, 16, the verse after it, what does he say? God did not come to condemn us, but he came to save us. 
He came to save us. How does he do that? Well, he showed it. He showed that he was for us by the cross, by his death and resurrection on the cross, that he loved us so much that he would actually die for us. And so what we ended at last week was this. If you can believe that God is is out there, that he is creator, that he is actually for you, he's been for you from the very beginning, if you can get your head around that and you can believe that and you can turn your life toward him and turn your life away from, remember we had that, there was this giant tipping point, we talked about that, that's the tipping point moment where we begin to put our faith into Jesus and that transforms our lives into to what-if possibilities. So this morning, we're in Romans chapter 8. If you want to grab a Bible, uh, that would be fantastic. I'm going to be reading from the NIV version, and uh, we're going to do several scriptures, so I'm going to give you a little bit of chapter, or a little challenge here as we're reading. You can look on the screen. How many times is the word if used in the scripture this morning? Because it's also known as, as a great, the great, maybe the greatest chapter in scripture, but also the if chapter. So here we go. This is what we kind of left off last week. So now there is, therefore, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ, Jesus, the law of the Spirit, who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It doesn't submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit. If, indeed, the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it's not to the flesh, to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But... If you live by the Spirit, you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again, but rather the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. All right, how many ifs did you get? Eight, bam, that was on it. Somebody was paying attention. Eight ifs, you can circle them if, if you want to go back in your scripture. It's, it's a lot that's there. A couple of years ago, I got my mom a, a present uh, for Christmas. My mom is difficult to shop for. She's not one that... Uh, 
kind of tells what she wants uh, as a gift. But I know that she loves movies. And about, uh, I want to say it was about eight years ago, maybe seven years ago or so, Netflix uh, had a deal where you, you know, you're part of a Netflix membership and you order movies and they come to your house and you send them back. This is perfect. You know, they're cheap. It's a great membership. I'm going to pay for a year of Netflix for my mom. She go, we get to the, the next Christmas and I found out basically my mom got zero movies. Okay? Zero for the year. And, of course, she was going probably to Blockbuster still uh, and getting videos and things from there, but she just, she just didn't use it. I think she just, let's be honest, she just didn't want to get online. She didn't understand the online process and the ordering process, and she just said, yeah, no, I'm not going to do that. Well, uh, now, fast forward a few years, and last year I said, you know what? My mom has figured out Facebook, and so Netflix is now, I think, one of the greatest things ever, okay? Because you can stream TV shows and movies, and there are no commercials, okay, people? No commercials. Imagine life with no commercials. Netflix, okay? And there's binge watching, okay? There's this show that has just been like, I mean, do you have a show that you just cannot stop watching? Uh, I'll, I'll tell you what ours is later if you want to ask me about that after service. But there's just these shows that just you can watch over and over and as many episodes as you want. It's right at your fingertips. It's fantastic. I even got rid of cable because Netflix is that great, all right? And this is not a commercial for Netflix, but I will, uh, well, I don't know if you get a royalty for, for suggesting. But I said, you know what, Mom? Okay, she's got it. She's got Facebook. She's got the internet. She'll get it. So last Christmas, I got her a Netflix uh, subscription. I said, you're going, and you've got a great TV. You can handle this. I get to this Christmas, zero. She has used it. She hasn't watched anything on Netflix. That's two gifts I've gotten zipped from, okay? My mom is just, I don't know what it is. It just has this block. But guess what she has all over her house? Redbox movies, because that's, you know, she went to the Redbox. She can figure that out. I kind of think, as I read this passage, and when Paul's trying to talk this morning, that, that he can kind of relate. And I think God can kind of relate to, to that situation. Because what he's saying is this. Listen, you have something. I don't think you realize what you have at your disposal. You have a, a gift, a power, a thing that you, you could use, but... but but you're, just, but you're just not. You're just not. And this morning as we look at this if, there's, there's a phrase that I want us to kind of, short phrase that I want us to wrap our minds around. It's very simple. Uh, and it's this. As if. Now, when I thought of as if, I immediately thought of a movie. Is anybody with me? Clueless. Thank you so much. Clueless. Does anybody remember that movie? Alicia... Silverstone, yes, and she would say, as if, in like a valley girl voice. Do you have a valley girl voice? Let's try it now. As if, okay, turn to your neighbor, as if, and you have to like make that face at the same time. As if, I gag me with a spoon, ah, uh, and these phrases from the, that would be the 90s, I guess. All right, now, as much as I've just put that in your mind, okay, that's not the as if we're talking about, okay? It, it's not like, in this version, it's like a, a whatever, okay? It's not a whatever. It, it's, it's something more than that. And in fact, to, to give us an understanding of where we're going, here's a couple of, of quotes, and maybe you can pick this out of the quotes. Uh, St. Augustine said it this way, God loves each of us as if, 
there are only one of us. There are only two ways to live your life. One as, this is Albert Einstein, as, as if nothing is a miracle. The other is as if everything is. Here's another one by Thomas Jefferson. When you do a thing, act as if the whole world is watching. There was an experiment done by the San Francisco District uh, school system there. And they, they grabbed these three teachers and they said, all right, you are our best you're our brightest teachers, and we have this, this new thing that we want to try, and we're going to be pulling the, some of the highest IQ students in the school, the 90 highest IQ students in the school. And what we want you to do is I want you to, to move at their pace and see how much they can learn in a year. You just, the sky's the limit. See how much they can, where are they going to take you and where are you going to go and lead them as teachers. And so they get to the end of the, the school year, and that, those three classes they, they went at a pace and learned more than 20 to 30% on average than the rest of the, the entire group at that age level. So they bring the teachers in. And they said, we have a confession to make. The 90 kids that you had, they're not the, the highest IQ students. In fact, they're just average when it comes to the IQ scale. And then they turned to them, and this is kind of a cruel thing, but I guess a little bit of reality. And also, by the way, you're not the best teachers either. In fact, we just randomly picked your three names out of a hat. But something happened. What happened? They acted as if they were. Are you with me? Okay, so here's another quote for you. William James, he's an educator. He said this, act as if what you do makes a difference. And here's the catch, because it really does. It really does make a difference. Okay, so here's what Paul is telling us this, this morning. He's saying this. If you, if you go through Scripture, one of the things, there's various things he's telling us that, that we should, should live as if. If you would just get a hold of this power, this thing that's inside of you that you're not tapping into, you can live as if. The first as if is this. Act, act this way. Live as if you are a son or a daughter of God. Why? Because you really are. Because you really are. I have a, uh, there's a, a phrase that, that's in this whole thing. It's talking about father and Abba father. And what God does is he adopts us. He adopts us. And, and Doug Fields is a youth guru. And he would say this, this phrase all the time. He'd say, listen, there's 7 billion people on the planet. And they're all created by God. 7 billion people have been created by God. But not everyone is in God's family. Not everybody's in God's family. What did he mean by that? My, uh, my nephew is, is a little boy named Caleb. And this idea of adoption has really come home to us in our family because my sister and her husband, Jonathan, Jessica and Jonathan, they actually went to Ethiopia and they adopted little Caleb. And Caleb has been a part of our family now for a couple of years. And every time I see Caleb, I saw him a couple of, of months ago. Uh, I just love it. My kids... Uh, we were, they're playing out in the yard, and they just are just goofing around, and it's, it's just great moments. And I would go, and I'd wrestle with him and play with him. And when I get a chance to hug him, I always feel the back of his head. And I remember the story of when they adopted Caleb. You see, Caleb was in an orphanage in, in, in Ethiopia. And what they do in, in a large room full of beds, that all the kids are in various beds. And, with, and obviously, they don't have, they don't have parents. And they have very few workers and very few uh, funds. 
And so basically it's about once a day that a worker will come by and, and give love and attention to a baby. And so the baby is sitting there all day long, laying down, and that's why his head is so flat. Getting to see a lot of babies these days is great. This has been an amazing year for our church, by the way, in dedications. It's been awesome. I love it. I love all the dedicated. The life that we have in our church is fantastic. Going to see Eddie and Yana and little Kaya and, and down at uh, Texas Children, we have one of the, the best hospitals in the world. But going in, in the NICU and seeing that there's like 70-something beds of babies that are in there, and just walking around, just seeing all of the beds. And I love the room where they have all the, the little, you know, it's the glass place, and everybody's just kind of on the glass, and you're looking at the babies, and it's such a, it's a cool place. Uh, and you can just kind of see people pointing to this one, and that, oh, that one's ours. And I, I kind of feel like what God is telling us here in this passage is this. He's at the glass, and he is going, that one's mine, and that one's mine, that one's mine, and that one's mine, and that one's And he picks out all of them. And in fact, he says, he goes to that place in Kenya where all the babies are, and he, and he says, I want to adopt that one, and I want to adopt this one, and I want to adopt that one. He has adopted everyone. He's done it. He's filled out the paperwork. He's done all the, the, the hard work to get there. Now, here's the catch. You just have to accept it, that adoption. You just have to go and say, yes, I am with him. That's it. That's it. God has adopted us all. And that's what the scripture is talking about is, is living as if you're a part of God's family, but you have to, to make that choice to do just that. There was a story, uh, I, you know, you get yahoo.com. Are you on that? They had these little stories at the top of the, you know, the, the, I don't know what they call the feed maybe, is that what it's called? Just random news stories will come up and various things are happening. There was a story that came up a few weeks ago. And uh, I don't know why this caught my eye, but it was a, I, I think it was the Chicago uh, WGN thing and the Cubs and the deal, whole deal. There was a monsoon that was happening in Chicago, and one of those reporters was out in the terrible weather going, don't come out here, even though I'm out here, in the crazy rain and stuff. And suddenly this guy came jogging by, did you see this story, without a shirt on, okay, this guy right here, I'm not going to show the whole picture, ladies, okay? But uh, this guy comes running by, and it's in the middle of this monsoon, and he's just like, hey. And the guy's like, what are you doing out here? I like to run. And, and of course, uh, in our society, uh, this picture, this video goes viral, as they say, okay? Thousands and then millions of people started clicking, and they're like, who is this guy? He's a good-looking guy, you know, and he's ripped and all this other stuff, and, uh, you know, if people like that kind of thing. Uh, but, uh, you know, he starts getting all this attention and these interviews, and, oh, we want to marry him. Let's put him on The Bachelor, and let's find out his name, and all this stuff, and there was this kind of this, this huge, this, you know, as these things happen, it gets super popular. But then he, what happens, too, is things get popular. People start throwing stones at, at, at things as well. They found out he, he's a Christian. He's a Christian. What? He's a Christian? And then there's some articles that came out kind of against his faith and things. And so he writes this article. This guy's name is Ethan. I'm going to put a name on his, on his face and his abs. Uh, his name is Ethan. And he, and he wrote an article for Relevant Magazine. And, he, and, they, and they, the MTV, I think, called his jog here the five-mile jog heard round the world, okay? 
And this is, this is the article that he wrote. And, and, and then he's talking about the ups and downs of fame. And it, it talks about how it's, just, it's there and everyone thinks, you know what? I want to be famous. I want to be known. And, and what does he write? Perhaps what we really crave, this is Ethan's words, more than praise from 10,000 mouths is intimacy, truly being known. Yes, millions of people in the world know my name, but they don't know me. They don't know what makes me laugh. We don't have inside jokes or, or history of crazy stories together. They've never held me when I cried, and they, they certainly don't know if I'm worth marrying. No amount of media attention or Instagram followers will ever fill this void within us to be known and appreciated. The Bible tells us about this, the incredible nearness of God to his people. He knows us better than we know ourselves. Our hearts pine to be known in ways that can't be displayed in an interview or social media profile. Rather than attaching ourselves to celebrities, we should attach ourselves to the one who truly is significant, who truly is glorious, who knows us with a kind of intimacy that frees us from our soul's desire for fame. Wow. You know, Ethan had a body and a mind, too. That's amazing, those words. Did you hear what he's saying? We think we want this. But what we really desire is this intimacy that's there. The story, we, we probably know, a lot of us know this, the, the prodigal son. And there's this moment where the prodigal son comes back home. Remember that? And he says, listen, Dad, I just want to be a servant. I just want to get out of this, and I just want to just be in the house. And what does the, 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 the dad do? Kill the fattened calf, bring the, 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 the robe, bring the, the ring. You are my son. You aren't a servant. You are my, you are my son. So, so what if, what if we acted and lived as if we were really a part of God's family and we were sons and daughters instead of something else? Maybe we'd have something more intimate that's there. I think Paul is trying to tell us as well this morning that we should live as if you have power over sin because you do, because you do. Now, every now and then we have projects. This isn't really a project, this, this background here. Garen and I, or just me or whoever, we'll, we'll try to make things. Remember, we've done different, you know, walls, and we did a cross uh, once for Easter and kind of different background things that are happening. Um, I know that you, all of you might not know this, but these hands, uh, these are not skilled worker hands, okay? Uh, these are not carpenter hands by any means. Uh, I have never seen my father work a power tool, ever. Seriously, I haven't. Uh, this is not something that was taught to me. Uh, these are like, you know, golfer preacher hands, uh, so I don't know what that means. They're very soft. Uh, and I really don't have a lot of skills other than what you're seeing right now, uh, which is questionable. But uh, so worry for me and my children. Um, but here's the deal. I like to actually do these kind of projects. And uh, what happens usually when this, this you know, when I start, we start to build something. And uh, yes, there is a good reason we always have like black around and we kind of hide parts of the the back because we made those things, but I will have an idea, or we'll get an idea, and we'll start to, to put it together, and then someone like my friend Jack, who, uh, who prayed earlier, or my friend Jim, who's an engineer, they'll kind of come around, and uh, they'll kind of see what's happening uh, in the process, and the idea that's happening, and then they'll go, okay, uh, yep, 
and you know, there's a lot of things that are happening the way they're communicating. It's like, you have no idea what you're doing here, okay? And it's just a miracle things don't fall down all the time. And, and they kind of help us along because they know what they're doing. They are skilled workers and they have a mind for that. And I kind of feel like what's happening is this. In this passage, Paul is saying, you know what you're trying to do here is this. There's this thing, and we all deal with it. It's, it's called sin, and it's that back to that if only kind of place. And if we were to try to do something, you know, have you ever tried to use one of these things before? Right, this is called a screwdriver for those who, who didn't know, okay? There's various forms of them, and you try to, like, by hand, try to screw something in. That is ridiculously difficult, Okay? Like, think about if you were putting together, like, one of those ridiculous projects that, that, that maybe you put together for a kid recently, and it involves, like, manual labor, okay? Like, after a while, you just go, there's no way. And, and instead of, like, four or five screws, there's, like, a thousand of them. And try... There's another way, people. There's another way. And I think sometimes, and I know the guys are like, what, what kind of screwdriver is that he's using? I'm going to check that out afterwards. 16 volts and 1.5 something something. Um, there's another way, okay? And it's much easier. And Man, that just went right through. Look at that. Sometimes it goes too far. And you can, or you can miss completely, and you're like, oh, he's, he's using the wrong kind of screwdriver. I don't know if he just would do this or that. That's the guys in the room. That's what they're saying. You know what Paul's saying here is this. You are trying, you're trying to do it on your own. There is a power that's out there that you need to tap into. And if you keep trying and keep trying on your own, and a lot of us this year maybe said, you know what, this is going to be the year I'm going to stop doing this. This is going to be your, okay, I'm not going to do it again, God. God, this time's going to be different. And you go back and you grab, and you're like, okay, okay, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it, I can't do it. And God's saying, there's a power that's out there. And what Paul's telling us is this, I love, this is one of my favorite phrases. If the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. That's the spirit that lives in you. That's available to you. <laughs> that was fun. But what I find is this. A lot of people live defeated. I can't. I can't stop doing this. I can't get over this. I can't, I can't, I can't. There's a, a spirit that's available to us that gives us power. There's a, a verse of a, of a Hillsong song that it's called The Scandal of Grace. I don't know if you know that song. It, it's not one that we've sung. It's one that I've heard a thousand times, but I just missed a line, and I went back to it. And I said, oh, that's such a powerful line. And he says this in the middle, at the beginning of the song, death, where is your sting? Your power is as dead as my sin. Your power is as dead as my sin. And what Jesus did, he didn't just die, he was resurrected. He had victory over sin and death. And he gives that victory to you and to me. Can you imagine 
if we lived with the Spirit's help and could get victory over the things that have become strongholds in our lives, we can live with that kind of power because it's available for us. And what Paul's saying as well is live, live as if God is leading you because he is. God is leading you. And, and he says it this way, live according to the Spirit. Live according to the Spirit. I have this thing, and I think a lot of you share this with me, but I just don't like to ride in the passenger seat. I like to drive. I like to drive everywhere. There's an epic dispute uh, early on in our marriage that resulted from this problem that I have inside where I just had to drive. Uh, I don't know if you've had one of those disputes before, but we were in Oklahoma City a couple weeks ago, and it started to, to snow, and there was ice on the roads, and there was just this moment where I had the keys in my hand because I have to drive, and it just it was an epiphany moment. You know, Mel's lived in Colorado most of her life and experienced a lot of snow, and, and so is Carrie, her sister, and Brad, her brother, they're there. I am the least qualified person to be driving this car right now, and so I had to it was very difficult, but give the keys over to someone else. Give the keys over to someone else because that was the, that was the best thing. And, and what God wants us to do is to, to give the kids keys over to this spirit that lives in us because it's leading us. It's guiding us. It's directing us in all kinds of ways and places. A friend of mine I met a few months back, he, he came in and said, hey, uh, I've been coming to church, and I want to tell you a little bit of my story. And one day he was out. It was a late night. I think it was a Saturday night that it was on the feeder road here, and I'm directionally challenged as well as, where am I at here? Feeder road, feeder road. There we go. Feeder road, right? Yes, thank you. All right, he was out on the feeder road about a half a mile uh, toward uh, Fallbrook in that direction. And he was at a light, and suddenly a car came by and hit him. He was just sitting there, and he just got hit, and the car took off, okay? And, and, and my friend, his car was barely able to drive. I was like, I can't believe someone would do this. There's nobody around to see it. And he just kind of, his car is, is barely able to, to drive. He gets out and checks it out, and he, he kind of drives down the feeder, and he sees the car that hit him, and it is right in front of our church, okay? It's right in front of our church. And a police officer sees him about the same time as, hey, are you okay? And because of this situation, he was able to go and they were to find out who did it. And they, they caught the person and, and, and the whole deal. And, and, and where is this happening? It's happening right in front of our church. And about this time, he's starting to kind of wrestle with faith and where God's, what God's doing in his life. And he had a kind of history, some things in his, his life with, with witchcraft and other stuff. And just felt like God was pressing him. And he began to lean into God from this moment. And it led, it to, led him to us. God's leading and guiding and direction. Have you ever felt him pulling you a certain way before? A certain place? A certain person? Maybe even a certain conversation? He does that. He leads, guides, and directs us. Because he has a purpose for your life. He has a calling on your life. And it's there. What if you lived as if you were being led instead of trying to lead on your own? Now, I hear what you're saying. You know, I, I come to church, and uh, I consider myself a Christian, but I just don't really have this kind of, that kind of intimacy you talked about. I really don't have that kind of power in my life, and, and I really don't have that kind of leading and guiding in my life, that kind of purpose in my life. 
why, why don't I have that? And what Paul is saying is this, you need to walk with the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Early on, or later on in Romans, he says it this way, don't copy the, the behavior and the custom of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing, and it's perfect. And what happens is when you spend time in God's word, when you begin to spend time in scripture, those things become a part of your mind and a part of your heart, and that's the way the Lord speaks to us is through his scripture, through various places in in the word. And if you're not in scripture, then it's hard for God to speak. My dad is a walker. He loves to walk. He's been doing that for a long time. He, will, he had knee surgery in college. He played baseball at Trevecca and then had several uh, knee surgeries and wasn't able to really run after that, so he would walk all the time. My dad would just randomly say, hey, I'm, I'm going to take a walk. And because of this, he's got like calves the size of Popeye. Um, but what I found out through the years is my dad, when he was going to walk, he was going to walk with God. He was walking with the Lord, and he was having a conversation with God. And, and that's what he's talking about, is this, this, this conversation that's happened, this time of prayer, this connecting with God, the scripture begins to speak to you. You know, when I, I talk to people and they say, Pastor Matt, I just don't feel connected to God. And one of the first things I ask is, well, tell me what God's speaking to you about. What, what are you reading these days? What is in the word that's really jumping out at you? What, what is this Holy Spirit provoked you through, through scripture? Or what about your, 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 your personal time, your intimate time with God where you're, you're speaking to him? And inevitably what happens right after that is, I don't have that. I don't, I don't have that. That's, that's the reason. That's the reason. If you want to have that intimacy, if you want to have that connection, that, that purpose, that driving place, you have to have some of the, the spiritual disciplines in your life that can get you there and that can connect you to God. Now, you can't get past this passage of Scripture and all the, the thing we, we heard about the Spirit, but there's this other fr- phrase that's in here that Paul mentions over and over and over again. He, he says it in one version, it's the flesh. You can either follow the flesh, you can even live according to the flesh. But what he, another, another version of that is basically you can live according to our, your sinful nature, your selfish nature. There is a thing that's inside of all of us that we've had it since birth. And then it refers to it as this sinful nature. And what it is is this thing that is it, self. It's me. It's me doing the driving. It's me wanting this or that. And, and what Paul tells us is this. He's pretty clear. He says, if you're going to follow that voice, if you're going to go that direction in your life, there are some pretty clear results from that. And here is what he said in Scripture. Your mind is going to be occupied on what selfish desires want. You, you, you don't want to submit to God. Have you ever played tug of war with someone with a rope and you're going back and forth? That's kind of the visual I have with some people with God. They don't want to submit to God and so they're just constantly pulling and arguing with God and his way and they become hostile to God is the phrase that Paul uses. You cannot please God if you're going to follow your sinful nature. You don't have intimacy with God. This is all from Paul that you really want, and honestly, you need that. You don't see when you're following the sinful nature that you're actually a slave to sin. You don't have any power over it. You can't get any victory over it, so you're a slave to it, and, and it eventually leads 
it eventually leads to death. It leads to death. Commercial I saw uh, a couple of weeks ago, maybe, actually it's been uh, probably, I guess it's probably been several months now, and I don't know why this jumped to my mind this week. Uh, I just would like to say, uh, before we play this commercial, I have never had the desire uh, to do the splits. You know what the splits are? I've never had that desire before in my entire, it's never like when someone's doing that or cheerleaders can do that, I go, that's great for you. Uh, But Jean-Claude Van Damme, do you remember that name? He did a commercial. All right, here's the commercial. And uh, did you you see this commercial? My ups and downs. Okay. My fair share of bumpy roads and heavy winds. You you got to insert some Inya music in here somewhere. You're already going, no, no, don't do that. And we can fade it there, okay? There's several things that came to mind there, but I'm going to go first of all with ouch, okay? And the second thing is, that's the most ridiculous thing that I could ever think of. That does not make me want to buy a Volvo uh, or try the splits in any way. Uh, but when I see that commercial, and I, and I thought about it this week, as I think about a lot of people that I know and a lot of friends, that as ridiculous as that looks, that's what their life looks like or trying to look like. I want to go both directions. I want to go both directions. I want to follow my sinful nature, and I want to follow the spirit that God has given me. And you can't go both. I don't care. That commercial, by the way, is, is a sham. There, there are, are, are camera work and all kinds of things happening there. It's not possible to do, okay? In fact, God tells us that. There's two different roads, and you've got a choice. You can't go down both roads. And what Jesus would do often is this. He would come to people and he would ask basically this question. This is kind of the breakdown of the question. What do you really want? What do you really want? He went to this guy once and he had been sick for years and years and years. He'd been an invalid and he basically comes up and he asks this, do you want to get well? Which seems like a ridiculous question. But when you've been in that condition for so long, you just kind of get used to it. Say, this is what life is like, I guess. And I'll just keep trying my best. I'll keep driving things my own way. And even though it's leading me down paths that are awful, and it's a lot of pain and a lot of hurt, and it's not working, I'm going to keep trying to to do that. There's this, that that word, if, I think eight times, over and over again. And if if you go back and read it, there's a key here. It says this. If the Spirit leads, lives in you, if the Spirit of Him who raised from the dead is in you. Now, if we're His children, we're co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in His sufferings and in His glory, if Christ is in you, if He is in you. And you know what He's telling us? He's not in everybody. 
he's not in everybody. Not everyone, everyone has been created by him, but not everyone is a part of his family. And it comes down to our choice. Are you going to go back? Or are you going to grab those papers? He is my dad. He's my father. I want that relationship. I want somebody to take the keys. I cannot guide my life. God has a purpose and a, and a plan for you. But you can't do it driving the car. And you can't do it without his power. You're going to keep failing. He can be in you. If, if you give your life to Jesus, if you stop trying to go both ways, get off that other direction and just go one way, just go one way. Would you, uh, would you stand with me? There's a song that just been on my mind this morning. It's a very simple song. It's, it's an old song. It's a song that I remember when I was uh, a kid. Uh, I was kind of going both directions or trying to. And it just wasn't working. And uh, finally, I just said, in the simplest of ways, God, my life is yours. My direction is yours. My sin is yours. My hope is in you. And God, I want to be close to you. I don't want this distance. I want to be, have an intimate relationship with you. Everything is yours. And the song is just, I surrender all. I surrender all. Can you say that this morning? Because that's what we're talking about is complete surrender. It's complete surrender to God's way in your life. And when that happens, the if becomes a reality. The if becomes a reality. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes real quick? Maybe this morning on our hearts and our lives, maybe you could just honestly say, that's me. I'm trying to go both ways and it hasn't worked. But I want to give my life wholly and surrender all to Him. If that's you this morning, would you just lift your hand up in the air? And God sees your hand. I see those hands around the room. pray with me if you lifted your hand, God, and everyone pray. Father, thank you so much for your, your grace and your spirit and your love for us, Lord, that you are God that has picked us out, and you've seen every moment of our, our, our lives, and you've seen the depths of our heart, and you love us the same. Your love is unconditional for us, and God, we are grateful for your grace this morning. God, we run to you. We turn our hearts toward you this morning, God. For those who are in this room, Lord, God, who have raised their hand or raised their hand in their heart and said, I, I want that. Lord, I surrender all to you this morning. God, I pray that as they're praying in their hearts, Lord, and seeking your, just your direction, Lord, I, I, Lord, we, we pray for your forgiveness. Lord, we pray for forgiveness around this room, Lord, as people are confessing in their hearts that maybe things that have separated them from you. And God, we run to you this morning. God, we ask that you would come into our lives and our hearts. Guide us and direct us wherever that goes, Lord, and wherever you want to take us. Not my will, but your will be done, Jesus. God, lead us to people that need to hear about you. Lord, I pray that you would use us in, in big ways. Lord, I pray for the person in this room that just feels so powerless 
to sin that is just continues to fall, Lord, and they, they're trying with everything in them, but they can't. They can't. Lord, I pray that right now that they would lean into your spirit. Lord, accept your truth and to follow you wholeheartedly, Lord, and seek you in your, in, in your word and walking step by step, being obedient to you in their daily life, God. Jesus, we thank you for this gift of the Spirit. It is a gift. You, you said that yourself, that you'd have to leave to give us this amazing gift that wouldn't live outside of us, but it would live inside of us, God. I pray that we would draw close to you, God. We would do that through your word. We would do that through worship, through song, through seeking you daily, Lord, seeking your will for our lives, God. As we draw close to you, help us to be obedient, Lord, as you guide us along the way. God, we lift these things up to you right now. God, I thank you for the, the people in the room that are, have given their life to you today. And they've said, Lord, just by confession and prayer and, and, and out loud, Lord, that they're surrendered totally all to you today, God. Lord, we love you and we lift these things up. And we thank you for these things in your name. And everybody said, amen. Karen, would you, would you lead us in that? Just that little, little course. I surrender all. This is your testimony singing. I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender. One more time. All. So simple. I surrender all. I surrender all. I surrender.